Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Here we are on a Wednesday, Soccer Morning on WorldSoccerTalk.com. Thank you for being here with us. Hope your Wednesday is going well so far. Your Back to the Future 2 day is going well so far, right? November 21st, November, October 21st, 2015, the day that that Marty McFly at the end of Back to the Future 2 with Doc Brown and his girlfriend, whatever her name was, get into the DeLorean and fly their way to the future. That's where they go. October 21st, 2015. That's where we are right now, today. We have none of the stuff that they said we would have in, 2000, in Back to the Future 2, and I'm very disappointed. But we do have soccer, and we've got a lot to cover today. We take your phone calls uh, on a number of topics, whatever they might be, including the Champions League. Let's start there. Champions League results from yesterday. The the surprise result of the day, Arsenal holding serve at home, beating Bayern Munich 2-0. Olivier Giroud and Mesut Ozil do the honors for the Gunners. A strong tactical plan from Arsene Wenger gets it done <clears throat> against one of the uh, most unstoppable attacking forces in Europe. Now, you did have Manuel Neuer making an uncharacteristic mistake on Giroud's goal. You may have had a handball on Giroud's goal, but it doesn't matter for Arsenal. They get the three points and keep their Champions League hopes alive. Bayer Leverkusen and Roma played to a wild 4-4 draw uh, yesterday. Chicharito Hernandez scored twice for, uh, for Bayer Leverkusen. And, uh, in fact, Bayer Leverkusen came back from a two-goal deficit with about six minutes left in, in that match as well. You also had uh, Bate losing to Barcelona 2-0 at home. Neymar sparking the uh, Catalans with Rakitic scoring twice for Barcelona. Dynamo Kiev holding Chelsea 0-0. No goals in that match in Kiev. A uh, lackluster performance from the English champions, to say the least. Valencia 2, Ghent 1, Porto 2, Maccabee Tel Aviv 0, uh, and I believe Zenit St. Petersburg 3, and Lyon 1. Those are your other. Oh, uh, Olympiacos beating Dinamo Zagreb uh, in Zagreb. Games today to watch. Certainly the headlining game is um, PSG and Real Madrid, but you also have CSKA Moscow hosting Manchester United, uh, Juve hosting Gladbach Gladbach of Germany in a big match in Manchester City versus Sevilla. Stephen Goff of the Washington Post is reporting that the Philadelphia Union are chasing former U.S. international and current Azed Alkmaar director of football Ernie Stewart for their their technical director gig. Stewart appeared in three World Cups in the United States, 94-98 and 2002, collected over uh, over 100 caps for the Americans. Finished, uh, fin- didn't finish his career at DC United. Actually, went and played a couple of matches in his uh, in Holland, where he was born, before hanging them up. But he did play for a couple of seasons for DC United in the early part of the twenty first century. Goff is also reporting that Freddie Bobic, former director of football at Stuttgart, is also a candidate for that job. So interesting times up in Philadelphia. The FIFA Ethics Committee is expected to reveal new targets of investigation today. That body confirmed that Michel Platini will not be able to stand for FIFA president as long as he is under suspension. It remains to be seen whether that uh, suspension will be 
extended for Michelle Platini. Reforms proposed allow for disclosure of proceedings against officials upon request. This will be a more transparent process. Obviously, a lot of the uh, criticism levied at the Ethics Committee is not only was it a creature of Sepp Blatter, but that it was not transparent in its operations. Orlando City of the MLS has launched, that's not right, Orlando City of MLS has launched a, an NWSL team expansion team called the Orlando Pride. They're set to start play next year. Former, former U.S. Women's National Team head coach, former Australia National Team head coach Tom Sermani will be the club's first head coach. And the league will conduct an expansion draft on November 2nd to help fill out Orlando's roster. The USU-17s. We're up 2-0 at halftime yesterday against Croatia at the U-17 World Cup in Chile. I then turned on that game, and then they gave up two goals and ended up in a draw 2-2 uh, with Croatia. So it's totally my fault. I'm taking the blame. There's already a banner. Somebody has put together a plane with a banner. Okay, it's an image, but it's on Twitter. Davis out. It's all my fault. The U.S. is now a one loss and one draw from two matches. That means one point. They do have a chance to advance. They have Chile. The hosts in the next round, that's uh, or in the next match, that's on Friday. Chile comes off of an absolute destruction at the hands of uh, of Nigeria, five to one. So the hosts will be licking their wounds as they face the United States at the Estadio Sasalito in Viña del Mar in Chile. Uh, Richie Williams, obviously leading that team, they are capable of playing some good soccer. But they're also capable of doing what they did in capitulating in that second half. Uh, lots of interesting times for young American soccer players. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, right now we're lining up phone calls. It's all about you on a Wednesday. Back to the future today. What are you doing with it? Soccer morning, worldsoccertalk.com. During the past few months, we've created a new weekend tradition, which includes watching your favorite MLS team play on TV, muting the broadcast, heading over to Rabble.tv to hear my audio during the game, and then drinking a cold beverage as we spend 90 minutes together discussing our favorite league. For this Sunday, I'd like to personally invite you to join me and Jared Dubois as we bring you the final day of the MLS regular season. From 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern, Jared and I will be talking through the DC United against Columbus Crew finale, but we'll also be keeping a close eye on all of the other games where we'll be updating you on the key developments as they happen. With Rabble, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the DC United Against Crew game on TV, press the mute button, and head on over to Rabble.tv to listen to me and Jared on your desktop, through your iOS, Android app, or through your mobile browser. Plus, before and during the games, you can join in by posting your questions or observations in the comments section. And why don't you create your own broadcast call one of your team's games? It's easy. Sign up for free today and try it out. Join me and Jared this Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern at Rabble.tv, where it's your team and your call. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. All right, so a last-minute change of plans here, which I'm very excited about. We've grabbed our friend Charlie Bohm, Charles Bohm, to be more proper, from uh, SoccerWire.com, USSoccerPlayers.com, MLSSoccer.com, a man who 
Uh, probably covers more s- different, distinct areas of American soccer than anybody I know. Charlie, I think you're that guy. Huh. Well, thank you. I'll take it. Uh, yeah, I mean, you got the MLS gig. You're, you're doing the, the youth soccer. I mean, you know, developmental st- uh, stuff. You're doing women's soccer. You got all this stuff covered. Um, since, since we're here, though, and it is a couple of days away from the final day of the MLS season, we're leading up into decision day, hashtag decision day. I uh, figure we should talk about that, uh, the setup for this. More than the games themselves, and maybe we'll come to some of the scenarios, what do you make of this move to, you know, they're not putting everybody on at the same time, partly because it they have the ability to not do that in some areas, but but what do you make of this move to do a, a decision day? Everybody's playing Eastern Conference at one time, Western Conference at another. Well, I'm, I, I wasn't involved in the, the structure or organization of it or anything like that, but uh, I'm a fan just because, one, you know, this is uh, moving a little bit more into line with uh, global practices. Um, I, I think, I don't know that it's a, I don't know if you could call it a, a mandate per se, but certainly in, in most tournament formats, you know, uh, that you want to try and set things up to where no one enters their final match um, with with knowledge that could affect the way they approach the game, and um, and but more importantly, I think it it just uh, sort of stokes excitement. It creates um, a little bit of that blitz effect <laughs> that we see that can have such a, a powerful effect in other sports. You know, I think a big part of the the college basketball March Madness um, tradition and the and the fervor that it inspires is is having so many games at once. Um, having a little bit of a of a sensory overload with uh, with you know action playing out in multiple places at the same time, and uh, and it just creates a little bit more of a milestone, a little bit of a signpost mm-hmm. for people to uh, to connect with the the last week of the regular season, and then sort of primes a pump for for playoffs, which get started not very far after this, just a few days later that the playoffs get going. Yeah. The, uh, the playing games midweek, um, you know, the one, the one change we, we they set this up again, Eastern conference team, uh, Eastern conference games happening all together, Western conference games happening all together. The one change we've had since that was originally planned is moving the Red Bulls Chicago game from the first window to the second in order to line it up with FC Dallas and San Jose because it's Red Bulls and FC Dallas going up against one another and, and not, not not they're going but they're both going for the supporter shield. Um, Dax McCarty was on Twitter, you know, saying that we should be doing that. And the league made a a decision. This is this is some flexibility I'm not sure that we've seen before. Yes, you know, people have talked about flex scheduling for a while now. It's as an area where um, you know the NFL uses it, and it gives them um, a lot of leeway to s- sort of stoke their ratings and um, and tweak their you know their product and the way their product is received. So not quite at full flex level yet, but I think this is a promising sign for being able to uh, work with television partners to to make things as compelling as possible. Uh, now, uh, when it comes down to the events of Sunday, we don't know quite how they're going to play out. If uh, and I was asked this question for ESPN FC, uh, and and you know how these things work, Charlie. A bunch of people ask the same question. You're not all going to give the same answer. So my answer maybe wasn't the obvious one. But who has the most to lose on Sunday? Oh, uh, great, great question. Um, and I've got to kind of got to pull out the the playoff scenarios here to be sure, but. I think you're looking at the. Um, there's a couple teams that have um, that are entering with more issues than others. You know, for example, the New England Revolution 
Um, mm-hmm. They're, they're going to make the playoffs, but uh, they really need um, they they need to uh, to stop the bleeding. They they lost um, a really tough match to Montreal at home in front of one of their biggest crowds in years and years. Uh, they may rank among one of their biggest crowds ever. Um, so that's a team that uh, again, you know, I was talking about them as. Um, really good candidates to to make another run to the MLS Cup final, but right now it's unclear that they could beat anybody on a given day. So that there are a couple teams like that that are sort of sort of listing a bit here, um, and then over in in the West, um, the main drama is you know San Jose and Sporting KC are both scrapping along. They both need points very badly, and um, uh, again, two teams that. Um, that are trying to get in. And I think if they get into the playoffs, you know, you could see them making some noise and giving some higher seeds trouble. But right now they're, uh, they're duking it out for, um, for one of those last places. I actually have a sort of, again, off the radar pick. Uh, there, there, there are teams that are, that aren't in the playoffs, haven't locked up their spot that had the most lose on, on decision day, of course. But I, I think that if you're going to go off of that book, uh, the LA galaxy have a lot to lose. If they don't, Make sure that they're either starting at home in a playing game, which is not that what they want. They want to finish top. They want to finish second in the West so that they have the buy in the semifinals. They they if they have to go on the road, Charlie is what I'm saying. Uh, this could be the you know this could be the year that the the LA Galaxy fall flat in the playoffs. Yeah, it's true. They they look more beatable. Uh, there's a humanness about them that we're not used to seeing at this time of year. Normally, they they really got things clicking. Um, they, as much as any team, really want to be able to play important games at home because they, they've looked like a, well, of course they got thrashed pretty good by Portland at home last weekend, but, um, their, their home and, and away, um, form is dramatically different. So 12, two and three at home, two, eight and six, uh, away from StubHub Center. Uh, the Galaxy can, um, can beat anyone in this league soundly, uh, when things are working for them. But, um, you know, and they, right now they've got the two spot, but if they drop out of there, if they've got to play an extra round of games, uh, you know, an, an extra, uh, the knockout round game, if they've got to, to add more miles to the odometer for some of those aging legs, uh, things get a little trickier for them in terms of their title defense. Uh, let's uh, let's come to the East. The national televised nationally televised game in the first window in the East is um, the is DC United and the, and the Columbus crew uh, or Columbus Crew SC, uh, DC. Uh, this is where we both are, are located. Probably the team you see most, certainly up close and in person. What do you make of DC United right now? Yeah, lots to prove for United. Uh, again, this is a team that um, you know has done so much with 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 relatively little. The, the the way they've marshaled their resources is fantastic. It's really impressive. Um, ben Olsen has, um, has got a, a sort of a, built a culture there. That's a sort of a Spartan, uh, minimalist culture that is, that is, has achieved great things given the, the resources of the teams they're, they're challenging. However, um, you know, they were, they were the top seed last year and, you know, they look like good value to, to make a deep run and they were, they were upset. You know, they had a team, the Red Bulls knocked them off in the playoffs last year, you know, ending a really, really long, uh, streak of dominance in the postseason of DC over New York. So no one's quite sure. I don't think even their fans are quite sure what to expect from United right now. Um, they're missing, still missing Davey Arnault, one of their sort of midfield linchpins. Uh, Marcus Halstey, the Finnish international newcomer this year, has stepped into that role. And 
you know, they, they, they got it done with very little trouble against Chicago. They had a game that turned into a blowout at home last week. Um, they're another team that uh, if they get some numbers out at their stadium um, and, and get off to a good start at home, things start to look, look good for them. But again, if they drop down out of the top two places, um, the road becomes so much more convoluted and, and crew can, can leapfrog them with a result this weekend. So, um, and, and there's, there's actually, you can ask United fans, there's a little bit of a tradition of um, late season games in Columbus, not going well for United. They've seen some, some seasons hit the rocks actually in Columbus. So, um, so we'll see what happens there, but certainly a match that, that we want interesting to watch, but uh, we'll be robbed of the presence of Kai Kamara, uh, the co-leading scorer in the league this year because of uh, suspension. Uh, no, Federico Higuain either, I believe. I believe both of those guys are on yellow card suspensions yeah. for the weekend. That's big damage to, to Crew SC and a, and a big boost to DC United, uh, despite the lack of, of Davey Arnault, as you said. Um, I wanted to... Uh, I'm, I'm trying to... What, where did my thought process go? I just had something in my head, and I seem to have <laughs> lost it. Uh, well, again, we're looking at the, the, the final day. Not everybody's got something to play for, of course. This is a, a situation where... You know, there's some there there's some dead money in the water. It's uh, that doesn't make any analogy makes no sense. But you got you know you can I would say um, there's a game up in Canada, very interesting game happening between yes. Toronto and Montreal, which is a rivalry that sort of far expands beyond soccer. It's um, it's a cultural and political rivalry in in many ways, and it's going to manifest itself with with uh, TFC versus Impact. Um, this could quite possibly be a situation where TFC. Um, deals a really crippling blow to Montreal on the final day of the season. TFC are in for the first time ever into the postseason. Um, Montreal are in as well, but um, where are they going to wind up? Yeah. How many again? How many miles are they going to have to travel? What's what's going to face them? Um, a team that that if they can can get a result this weekend and enter the playoffs with with the, the momentum they have now, I don't think anybody wants any part of them. You know, the, New York has been the clear top team in the east this year but there's no there's not quite the sense of um of heavyweights at the top like you have in the in the west and so um the impact and and toronto you know and and uh, actually conceivably there's scenarios in which they could play each other again in the play in the knockout round uh, of you know the first round of the playoffs so um, it's going to be a fun one to watch it's going to be a fun one to uh to see if the stars show up what does giovinko bring what does drogba bring and there'll be a great number of uh, of traveling TSC supporters. I think at Stad Saputo. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it's a, a a good one to to point to. Um, one of the games that that really has no bearing on anything. Well, Orlando, I guess technically is, is still mathematically alive, but their goal differential against uh, the Revolution is is so large, it's almost impossible for them for them to overcome that. The Revs have a three point lead, so. Uh, conceivably, the Revs could could lose to NYCFC and still be fine. But Philadelphia, Orlando. Um, is for for me the the only thing that is interesting there is that we've got some news out of Philadelphia that they're chasing perhaps Ernie Stewart for their uh, technical director job, Charlie, <clears throat> a guy that uh, a, a guy that's been in DC. Imagine a guy that you've run into more than once. Uh, mm-hmm. What is that? What is what kind of fit would he be at, in, in a modern MLS context? And and could you imagine Ernie Stewart actually considering uh, making the jump back across the the Atlantic? Yeah, this is an interesting development that's that's uh, come up in the last couple of days here. It's fascinating to me. Um, I did cover Ernie Stewart in his his last season uh, of play. Uh, you know, as, as a player, he was um, he finished out with a championship 
with DC United in 2004. Um, very interesting guy, very cerebral um, player, and, and he's obviously turned out to be a highly successful executive over in, in the Netherlands. I'm skeptical of this. I think it's going to take a really, really um, effective pitch and may, maybe a, a sweet um, paycheck for Philly to lure him away because this is someone, you know, as a dual national, he's fully had his sort of had his feet in both worlds. Um, but I think he's someone who appreciates a, a immersive uh, soccer culture. Um, I think he's built really great things and, and developed and sold a lot of great players um, over in the Eredivisie. Um, is he going to put all that down to go to a completely new environment in his executive career at least? Um, I don't know. I don't know that he has quite the same drive to to go home um, and 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 help out MLS the way that other players like him have because because you know the Netherlands is home to him as well. So um, I, I think it's a great sign that Philly are even in the game for him. If they can even turn his head a bit, that'll be uh, to me that's noteworthy. Um, but I think the big pitch for them is to show that look we've we've cleaned up our executive structure. Mm-hmm. Um, we're ready to cast aside this sort of um, uh, dogged reputation for underachievement and failure and dysfunction because let's be honest, that's too much of that has, has sort of tainted everything Philadelphia does. Um, but they really do, you know, as I got to learn last month in an in-depth uh, piece about their youth system, they have a really innovative, groundbreaking, progressive uh, youth structure that is, has not really been, been fully connected to the senior team I think Ernie Stewart would be a great candidate to link those things up to really turn it into a homegrown focus club, uh, you know, making their own talent, bringing it up into the senior team, and eventually selling on top players. So mm-hmm. we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see if if he's if he's lured to make that move. But if he does, well, what a huge feather in the cap for Philly. A real, real reason for optimism if they can get him. Yeah, it seems like a very tough sell uh, to get a guy like Ernie Stewart over, but uh, we'll, we'll see. It, it's out there. It's, it's at least it shows that there is um, some real ambition on the part of the club uh, to get somebody in who knows what they're doing uh, to the fans who have long been worried about the direction. You know, Nick Sakevich being ousted as the uh, as the man in charge is is a step in the right direction for a lot of people, but we'll see what the next uh, the next move is. All right. Let's turn now, Charlie. We've talked some MLS, a little bit of Philadelphia and their situation. I, I want to talk about the youth, uh, the youth teams in the U.S. Uh, U.S. Uh, soccer program. You've got a story up on Hugo Perez, and, and I'll admit that I haven't yet gotten through all of it. Uh, but he, about his <clears throat> his influence on this this team of U17s that are currently in Chile at the World Cup under Richie Williams. Um, for anybody who doesn't know exactly, well, we don't know what happened, but what? Why did? what's the story with Hugo Perez and his relationship with U.S. soccer at this point? Yeah. So, um, sorry, I've got a, I've got my, my youth development project here. Is busting at me. <laughs> hey, so, take that's, that's the important, that's, that's very important. <laughs> but, uh, no, so, so, uh, um, Hugo Perez is a you know, former U.S. international, uh, born in El Salvador, spent most of his life in the U.S., was a member of the 94 World Cup team. And, um, made a very fluid transition into coaching. Spent uh, seven years with the federation. He worked as a um, he worked as the U14 and U15 national team coach, and played a really influential role in in grooming this current crop of, uh, of U17s, who are some of the more talented kids that have come through the system in a while. And and uh, we can say that about a lot of the, the youth national teams, but in in Perez's case. 
he was able to get them playing a quality of soccer that we're, we're just not necessarily used to seeing from young American teams. Yeah. Um, he stressed possession. He built them really from the, from the foundation up into a, um, a, 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 an effective team in terms of passing, possession, movements, um, team shape. You know, there, were, there was real promise for this and real optimism about this crop as it rose through the system. But um, a little over a year ago, he uh, was just sort of mysteriously and summarily reassigned, taken off that national team coaching role and given a sort of what I would what I consider to be a sort of a gardening leave type position to use the English phrase where he yeah. was he was made, you know, I think it, the, the, it was a term like technical advisor for the Northwest Division of the Development Academy, something like that. So and there was no explanation. You know, I, I talked to many people. There's a lot of rumors. There's a lot of hearsay and, and uncertainty about what happened with Hugo and. Um, no one seems to know what happened. Did he antagonize, uh, you know, his his superiors in the coaching structure? Did he have a fallout with other coaches? You know, there's I, I heard rumors about disagreements over specific players. Um, there's even the the allegation that um, he ruffled feathers by selecting too many Latino players, which is um, certainly a disquieting thing to even consider that that such a thing would result in uh, in uh, in the, the, what happened to him, but you know he's uh, he just got out of he's, he finished out the last year of his contract very quietly and and is now trying to to get a job at the senior level. He was very close to joining the the coaching staff of El Salvador's national team. Now apparently he may be on the radar for for LAFC in some kind of coaching role with them. But while we watch his U17s or the, the kids who are now U17s in the World Cup this summer or this 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 month, excuse me. Um, for me, it's just a, another story of what might have been because he um, he had this team playing at a level that, quite frankly, Richie Williams, their current coach, has not got them back to. And um, it, it's so easy for us to, to when we see national teams in, in youth events like this struggle, we just say, oh, these kids aren't good enough. The Americans still aren't good enough. Our system doesn't produce enough talent. What can we do? Um, and, and I don't think that's really the case here. I think these kids are good enough and, and they are good enough to not only compete, but to excel at a high level of play. Um, and, and this is where I think it's a good opportunity to ask what's wrong with our coaching. We always talk about what's wrong with our players. And I think right now this is an example of what's wrong with our coaching. Richie Williams is, uh, uh, it's time I think for us to look very carefully at his, um, his position, his role. He's been in the U17 role a long time. He supervises the Bradenton residency program. He oversaw the, uh, the the last cycle. The U-17s failed to even reach the World Cup for the first time ever. And now he said some things that almost give the impression that that simply reaching the World Cup is, is seen as good enough. Um, I hope that's not the case. I hope that that we all are, are paying more attention than ever to these sort of th- this level. If you're un- unsatisfied with the senior men's national team, you know, pay more attention to the youth level. Let's ask some some tough questions. Let's have some discussions about um, what we're doing right and what we're not doing right when it comes to player development. And, and I, again, I think our coaches have more to prove right now than our players do. Okay. We'll take stock of the U-17 uh, run right now. Losers to Nigeria in the opening match 2-0. Uh, a draw with Croatia last night. I, I, I've taken blame for this, Charlie, because they were up 2 nothing at halftime. I turned the game on at halftime. They give up two goals and draw two two, so it's totally on me. But what what was the deficiency over these two uh, two games? Because uh, look, the Nigerians appear to be very good. They thrashed uh, Chile yesterday. Uh, Croatians are good, 
Well, why the why the variant in play? Yeah, it was it was um, a great start. You know, they soaked up a bit of possession and, and a bit of pr- you know pressure on the part of the Croatians and uh, struck for two well crafted goals. Christian Pulisic, um, sort of the, one of the latest hype trains that is uh, that is boarding right now. He's a very talented playmaker, uh, very good going forward. Um, is in the uh, the Borussia Dortmund system right now. Uh, could possibly be a special kid. Um, they go in with a two 0 halftime lead. And you know they're going to have to soak up a bit of pressure after the break, but um, it was an 18 to one shots um, contrast in the second half. They they dropped deeper and deeper. They they were more and more passive, and eventually they paid for it. You know they gave up uh, first one goal and then another, and then were hanging on for dear life at the end. I think Croatia hit the woodwork once or twice in the final minutes. Um, it was just a real a real sort of capitulation, and. Uh, I, I, this team is still alive. Um, there are third place uh, finishing slots, you know, to, in which you can advance. Um, they they need a result against Chile, who just happen to be the home nation here. But um, on Friday, if they if they win over Chile, they can probably still advance. But um, and and that would be an achievement. Again, this is a really rugged group with uh, with a European power, the host nation, who's a, a strong program, and, and the defending champions. But um, I'm more interested in the performances, and right now the performances don't suggest a team that has a clear plan. They, they suggest there's issues with with leadership and and tactical savvy uh, in terms of controlling the game. And you know, one of the things that um, Hugo Perez talked about is playing defense with the ball. Right? This is an idea that yeah. uh, I wish we'd get a little more comfortable with with our, our national teams here in the U.S. Um, possession can be uh, you know useful in many ways. And uh, and and this team does just isn't doesn't seem to to necessarily have the either they're not set up or they're not able to um, to control the flow of matches in in, in big settings like this um, and 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 it has to be said too Williams has played a couple kids out of position he's um, made a few head scratching start you know lineup decisions where it's not clear that the best eleven players are on the field in their best roles um, so you know questions to ask there as well. I like the quote you have at the top of your piece at SoccerWire.com. People should go read this on, on Hugo Perez. Uh, the most important thing is the ball. When you have it, you can do so many things. When you don't have it, you can only do one. You have to go chase it. I don't want that. I like that. Um, obviously, that's what you're talking about there. Uh, very briefly, Charlie, before I let you go, uh, what you said there, what, and again, rumors, speculation, nothing nothing concrete, just uh, uh, the whispers that come with these uh, behind-the-scenes machinations, the idea that Hugo Perez may have alienated some people because he took he, he picked too many Latino kids. Again, as you said, very disquieting, very distressing, but it speaks to the larger problem that that is the politics of soccer. And whenever I get somebody who has this very simple notion of how to fix our youth development system, let's do this thing, let's do that thing, small-sided games, uh, you know, more work with the ball, less go- don't keep score at, at, at lower level. I want to scream. You're not considering the politics. <laughs> yeah, listen. There's there, there's a lot of great ideas in the system. There's a lot of great ideas that that could be added to the system. Um, but it all a lot of it comes down to who is executing policy, who who's who's drawing up the policy, and um, you know I think Jurgen Klinsmann um, has the potential to do great things as a technical director. Um, he understands the system both as a coach. As an ex-player, as a parent, you know, a, a, whose kids are, have gone through the U.S. youth system. However, um, 
I think my my biggest criticism of him so far as a technical director specifically is there's a there's a very strong sense of a coaching fraternity within the federation. Um, certain types of people get the jobs, and they tend to stay in the jobs. Um, the federation again has a lot of good ideas, a lot of good people working for it, but it it, it operates in sort of a top down fashion. Um, it's a it's a planned economy, as I say, you know something uh, something akin to uh, to Soviet era Russia in a lot of ways in terms of of things originating at the top and being being pushed down. Um, that can work. Um, you know, the German example shows us that there there are definitely things you can do at an organizational level, at a federation level, uh, that can be very effective. But if the implementation is handled by the same people who were unable to implement previous strategies, th- then you're probably not going to have you know l- significant changes in the way things go. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't appear that there's necessarily open competition. And uh, and a and a consequence environment environment of consequences for um, per- performances um, in terms of the youth national team coaching and this goes for men and women by the way uh, you know there was a really stinging failure in the U twenty women's World Cup I believe it was last year maybe it was back in uh, thirteen where Michelle French the coach you know had had really there were no there were no consequences for what most people would say was drastic underachievement, even failure. So um, this is a, a cultural issue, I think, a, an organizational cultural issue. And um, and it's it's going to be hard for someone like Klinsman uh, to really make the sweeping change that it, that is being demanded of him if he's using the same personnel uh, that have been in charge for years. Charlie Bohm, go read this piece on Hugo Perez and the youth, uh, uh, the, the young team at uh, Chile U-17 World Cup uh, right now on SoccerWire.com. You can also find him on MLSSoccer.com and USSoccerPlayers.com. Follow him on Twitter, B-C-B-O-E-H-M. I don't think, I, I don't think Baby Bohm has a Twitter account yet, but we'll let you know as soon as she does. Uh, <laughs> Charlie, thank you very much for the time. As always, excellent stuff. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me, Jason. There goes Charlie Bohm. Always fun to talk to Charlie. Charlie... Uh, but the best soccer people I know. Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. When we come back, your phone calls on a Wednesday. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. During the past few months, we've created a new weekend tradition, which includes watching your favorite MLS team play on TV, muting the broadcast, heading over to Rabble.tv to hear my audio during the game, and then drinking a cold beverage as we spend 90 minutes together discussing our favorite league. For this Sunday, I'd like to personally invite you to join me and Jared Dubois as we bring you the final day of the MLS regular season. From 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern, Jared and I will be talking through the DC United against Columbus Crew finale, but we'll also be keeping a close eye on all of the other games where we'll be updating you on the key developments as they happen. With Rabble, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the DC United against Crew Game on TV, press the mute button, and head on over to Rabble.tv to listen to me and Jared on your desktop, through your iOS, Android app, or through your mobile browser. Plus, before and during the games, you can join in by posting your questions or observations in the comments section. And why don't you create your own broadcast call one of your team's games? It's easy. Sign up for free today and try it out. Join me and Jared this Sunday at 5 p.m. Eastern at Rabble.tv, where it's your team and your call.
Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we are back on Soccer Morning, Wednesday edition of the show. Back to the Future Day. Back to the Future 2, whatever. It's the future of Back to the Future 2. We have reached that, that moment in time, which is where Marty McFly had to go to change the future so that Biff didn't become a gambling billionaire who ran Hill Valley. What else happened in that movie? A lot of things happened in that movie. You had old Biff. You had young old Biff giving the almanac to young Biff. Then you had, obviously, Marty's kids and, and, and Michael J. Fox in drag. You had that thing happening in that movie. You had... You obviously had the hoverboard, which is what everybody wants to focus on. You had self-lacing shoes. Uh, no soccer mentions, clearly, in Back to the Future. So there's not an easy tie-in. I, I do have an idea, or actually have a suggestion, from Robert in California as to how we can tie in Back to the Future with soccer. But we do have the phone lines open, 646-832-3909. Whatever's on your mind today, whether it's Decision Day the U-17s at the World Cup, the Champions League. What Arsenal did against Bayern Munich yesterday, how big of a deal is that for Arsenal? I mean, clearly, they weren't expected to win. Clearly, Bayern Munich came in as a favorite at the Emirates. I mean, that, that right there says a lot about Arsenal and where Arsenal sits and where Bayern Munich sits in the European hierarchy. When you have a team that's at home and is the size of Arsenal and is an out-and-out underdog, I mean, that's that's very interesting. Take your phone calls on, how about this question from Robert? I like this. If you had the DeLorean and you could change anything from the soccer past, what do you change? Do you change the hand of God? Maybe you're English. Maybe it's the hand of God. If you're American, I, I can't think of a, a, a bigger moment to go back and have some sort of influence on than Frank's handball. So I don't know how you do this. I mean, let's, let's, let's think through this through because just because you have the DeLorean doesn't mean you're going to change history. I mean, how do you even impact that game in South Korea between the USA and Germany to prevent Frings from keeping that ball from going in the back of the net? I don't know how you do that. You can res- that's the thing is it, changing the the future requires involving yourself in the past and if you're Marty McFly or if you're yourself for that matter what do you do? Hmm. Bill in New York, Bill, for, before you get before you get into anything else, what would you what would you change in uh in the past if you had the DeLorean? Oh. Man, you got me on a tough one there. Um, the Red Bulls would have won a championship by now. Okay, well, I mean, you let's let's imagine you have the ability to change one moment to maybe make that happen. What do you change? You're changing something that happened in what? In that uh, was it? Uh, the '08 final, the '09 final, whatever that was. Or are you going back? Oh, would, you going back even further? It would than be that. one of the DC losses before yeah. that. Losing okay. to DC, yeah, knocking them out. So maybe uh, I mean you, you, the pro again the problem is you almost have to commit a crime to make sure that it doesn't doesn't happen because uh, you can't change the way those calls are made uh, the, uh, <laughs> the 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 speaking of Ernie Stewart the Ernie Stewart anyway go ahead Bill you want to talk about your Red Bulls 
Yeah, well, I was actually calling about the uh, power of soccer morning. Okay. You you and Mark talk about changing the schedule, and what happens? The next day, it's changed. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I think the league sort of woke up to that to that realization on a, for a couple of different reasons. I'm not going to take credit. Well, you know what? Screw it, Bill. We're taking credit right here. It's all soccer morning. It's all us. We did take it. 100%. And by the power of Mark Fishkin, clearly. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I I like the schedule the way it is with the five and five, the East and West. But I understand why they had to change. I want to support a shield that's in that close of a race between uh, two different conferences. you got to play them at the same time. I like it. But I'm one of those old guys who I believe multitasking is no tasking. I can't watch all these games at once. <laughs> I don't know how you guys do it, but you're watching four games oh, at once. No, no, no. No, no. My, my credo, or my credo, my, my, my wisdom on this, Bill, has always been if you're watching two games, you're watching zero games. And, 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 That's how I feel, too. And, and, and look, I... I at the same time, I recognize why this could be fun and why this is. I mean, I hope. I know. Uh, look, I, I don't think. Uh, I don't think we're going to get Tim Burke from Deadspin working the uh, the multiple feeds on the final day of the MLS regular season the way he did on the the Premier League season a couple of years back when City won on the final day. But if somebody does some of that and can put together that simultaneous, I mean, you have to have some drama. Other, you know, obviously there needs to be something in play here. But if you could get something that's sort of a simultaneous uh, recap of what was happening in each place at each at any given time, I mean that's that's fun. I I I think competitively outweighs any any issues of of viewership, Bill. Unfortunately. Now I have to put you on the spot here. What would be really great is if you could move that rabble back to seven o'clock and do the Red Bulls game at the same time. I, I would lo- look, uh, Bill. I would love to. I really would. The problem. Is that family and and real life gets in the way of that? I, I really would love to be able to do, uh, and and you know this is I think we established that we were going to do a five o'clock game before they moved the Red Bulls match. So we yeah, I mean I would love to be on the air talking about what what's which games on on national television. Well, I don't remember At which seven. Yeah, I think it's the LA game, right? I, I don't even know. I don't. I know I'm going to be watching Red Bull, so it doesn't make a difference. To okay. Me. Yeah. Of course. Of course. I mean, you got your team to care to to worry about. I I think it's uh, uh, it's ESC, ESPN three, ESPN three, TSN two, FS one, Sporting Kansas City and LA, LA game. Yeah, it's the LA game. So we we would still have to monitor FC Dallas and San Jose and Red Bull Chicago through other means. Um. So I, I mean, it would be fun. It would be fun. I just we we can't do it based on again based on some. Some family stuff I got going on. Now, I, I wanted to say something about your uh, best soccer show. I never call in best soccer show because family gets in the way from me at nighttime. But your bonus show last week was great. Appreciate Here, that. You guys talk about the beginnings and everything else was excellent. When you brought up Champion Soccer Network, I remember thinking how great that was and all the different things they had. Yeah. And I thought it was great. And I really wanted to call you guys Monday and say something to the both of you. But that was a great show. I appreciate it, Bill. That's good stuff. Yeah, if you missed, thanks for the call, Bill. I'm gonna let you go. If you missed um, the best soccer show, we didn't, we weren't able to do one this week. So this is last week's best soccer show, and then we did a bonus show. It's like 35 minutes on uh, the origins of the best soccer show. If you're a best soccer show fan, I highly suggest you go listen to it. It was, it was fun to talk about that stuff. I mean, the memory gets real fuzzy. And, and to be honest with you, doing this show daily, I can barely remember what guests we had on last week. I can hardly remember, you know, what I talked about yesterday, much less what happened four years ago. But we were managed. We managed to scrape up some of those memories. Go back. Uh, speaking of Back to the Future, 
and look into the past and, and, and recall the beginnings of the best soccer show, which obviously fed into this. Without the best soccer show, there is no soccer morning. That's a pretty direct line. I mean, <laughs> the best soccer show started uh, as an outgrowth of a previous show. That, uh, and then Trevor said, hey, come do your show for my new thing, which was NASN, is now backheel. And the rest is sort of history. Well, we're still doing it, but, you know, there's some history. All right. So we got that question out there from Robert. What would you change? If you had the DeLorean, you had the ability to go back in time, you could change something. Now, I, again, I would like to hear what your practical plan is because I think that's half the fun. You could go back in time, get to South Korea somehow. First of all, you'd have to take your DeLorean to South Korea or you'd have to travel back to 2002 and then travel to South Korea because, you know, you, you don't change location. You just change time. Or you don't, you, you don't, yeah, you, you don't travel through, t- through, uh, through physical space. You only travel through time. So you're going back to 2002 and you're changing what? T- Torsten Springs handball. Or you're changing the call. Or you're changing what exactly? A couple of moments, big moments in that match, turn that match. But how are you going to have an influence on the game? This is just the way my brain works. I know this is like, like taking out some of the fun. Again, Robert's got some good suggestions. Hand of God. Uh, Escobar's own goal. I mean, knowing the aftermath of that. Knowing what happened with Andres Escobar after he went back to Colombia. After scoring the own goal against the United States in 1994. Hey, I'll change it. I mean, it might change. That might have a big impact. Wow, what a question. Would you change that moment? If you had the ability to change that moment, because that fed into the United States, obviously building some momentum, going to MLS with, with some excitement, and now we're here 20 years later, 22 years later. What if, what if Andre Escobar's goal doesn't go in? That own goal doesn't happen. He, he might still be alive. Maybe not. I mean, Colombia was a very violent place anyway. Maybe Andre Escobar is still is is still in the crosshairs of somebody then. MLS Boot Room says, is, so is, t- is today going to be tweet every photo relating to Back to the Future Day? Y- yes, it is, as a matter of fact. Now, I don't actually have, I'm not the one tweeting those pictures, but I, I fully endorse every every tweet that we put out today, including some reference to Back, Back to the Future. Do you not like Back to the Future? Are you a curmudgeon? Did you not enjoy the 80s? Eddie in Brooklyn. What's going on, man? <laughs> that was quick. Uh, all right. So I would get into the DeLorean. I'd go to July of 2014 in Rio. Okay. I would be in the stadium where Costa Rica is playing Netherlands. Uh-huh. And while Tim Krul is being subbed on and he's walking towards the, you know, towards the goal before the penalty kicks, I would run onto the field and I would knock him the out. <laughs> like just straight knock him out okay okay now now look I, i'm with you i understand tim cruel penalty uh yeah penalties costa rica world cup i get it i get i get all of that eddie i'm with you as as you know i can i can empathize with your with your decision here now you're asked to getting arrested first of all now what what do you do to get yourself out and back to the future 
right, Jason, I have a time machine, and you're worried about me getting out of a jail. Well, I'm just saying, you, you had to leave the DeLorean somewhere. It got, it's got to be parked. Well, like, yeah, but I, but I got that crazy old white dude with me. I'm pretty sure he could figure something out. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I like it a lot. That's really good. <laughs> All right, so Costa Rica, that moment in, uh, in the World Cup. I, yeah, considering the way... Uh, here's how close those margins were for the Ticos. I, I can totally see that. I mean, we're talking about the difference. Between, I mean, it was a great run, right? And, and you guys will always have that. But we're talking about the difference between something maybe transformative, something something bigger than just wow. We we we, we you know we we beat uh we, we beat these teams. We beat Italy. We go to, into the what were the quarterfinals, right? Yeah, that was the quarters. Yeah, yeah. So getting through the quarters to the semis would be. Pretty amazing for a country like Costa Rica and potentially, again, a game-changer. Eddie, you got anything else? No, that was pretty much it. I just right. wanted to knock out Tim so Krul. He, Eddie, Eddie in Brooklyn is going to go knock out Tim Krul. Good stuff. Thanks for calling. I appreciate it, man. Right, uh, 646-832-3909. Uh, Rob Rice. He would somehow keep Stuart Holden from playing Manchester United in 2011. It's a good one. What might have been. What might have been. Six four six eight three two thirty nine zero nine. I think I, man, what would I do? It's a very good question. I mean, we have to talk. We're talking about one moment, right? We're talking about changing events on one day. So I can't say something like go back and save the NASL so we don't have the league dying, and and then have to start over with MLS in nineteen ninety six. I can't, I can't do that. Or even further back and go to the ASL days and figure out a way to, to keep those leagues from fighting so they don't uh, cannibalize each other. Tra- tra- yeah, Trevor's going to bring us down here. He'd send Charlie Davies home earlier than I. Put Charlie Davies in a cab. That's one you can actually probably have an impact on as a regular person. Like, Eddie wants to go onto the field and knock out Tim Krul. That seems a little impractical to me. But if you showed up at that event with the, where Charlie Davies was uh, in October of 2009 and grabbed the dude and stuck him in a cab, yeah. Yeah, that, that's a good one. I mean, it's, it's, as Tra- Trevor says, it's sad, but it's a good one. American soccer moments. The Frings handball. Charlie Davies. Um Give me something else. I mean, give me the 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 somehow changing that that Ghana game in 2010 would be fun. I don't know. Can we can we not have Ricardo Clark on the field? Convince maybe 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 you find out a way to to give Ricardo Clark a bit of indigestion or or the or, or uh, some vomiting the night before the game against Ghana. Maybe that's what you do. I mean, look, maybe somebody else makes that same mistake. Maybe it's not if it's not Ricardo Clark, maybe it's somebody else. But there's got to be there's got to be some way to change that outcome. Aaron in Jersey, you're on the air. Hey, how you doing? Uh, so mine isn't quite as exciting as uh, knocking out Tim Cole or or something like that. But when um, when, when Sunil uh, Gelati was uh, was nominated 
uh, I would I would make sure uh, when he was taking his taxi cab that I drove him uh, the wrong way around uh, uh, New York because <laughs> he was late and that he wouldn't have been able to can't uh, stand for election uh, gone it, to the committee meeting. Interesting. Exactly. Uh, you believe uh, you believe that that Sunil Gulati has ultimately been bad for American soccer. Then I mean I look at him as being um, a caretaker for a moment because you need those at times who has turned into a, you know, transformational figure after, you know, 10, 15 plus years. And I think that's the problem is that, you know, at a certain point you need professionals. And when I say professionals, not necessarily players only, but people who are professionals at running national organizations uh, in football, especially, especially one of our size. And we just, you know, someone like him, after this long has institutionalized so much. And I look at the great uh, interview you did earlier with uh, uh, Chris Bohm and Charlie. his article is, is awesome because it, it speaks exactly to what's wrong, which is you have this kind of institutional political culture, which is really the thing you have to go after, right? It's not just, you know, running around, let's have 10,000 futsal courts and something great happens. It's you've got to dislodge, all these kind of, you know, institutional, you know, uh, blockage in the arteries and, uh, you know, people like him and thousands of others, you know, are, are really just not the healthy competitive people it, 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 you need. It's, it's and, interesting, Aaron, though, that you, you're taking, and of course, you know, look, we're, we're asking a very specific scenario. You have a time machine, you could change one thing, but that's sort of a reactive approach rather than a proactive approach, right? So you're saying, well, I'd go back and make sure Sunil Gulati doesn't get to the meeting that elects him U.S. soccer president. But you're instead of saying something like, I would go grab this person who I believe would be a better president and I would make sure he got elected somehow. Well, what I'm, what I'm throwing up for concept is that um, it, we might get someone worse, but they would probably be thrown out faster or we have a, <laughs> probably a decent chance whoa, whoa. of getting someone a little better okay, than, you know, that person doesn't have a career objective of running us, you know, soccer for 15, 20, 30, 50,000 years. And, and basically, uh, you know, you wind up getting natural turnover in the system and, and we've had neither. And, uh, sure, you know, in the last, true. you know, 10, 20 years and, 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 and I don't presuppose to, 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 to know who the right person was to run this. I just know institutional people, top to bottom, aren't good for any organization. And when Chris earlier talked about the, uh, you know, this is like Soviet planning. I mean, I, he nailed it so well. I mean, I've coached and been part of this system for decades, and it's just brutal. Once you get to the eval and to the regional committee level, you're dead. I mean, if you if you aren't part of that clique, you're you're gone. I mean, you have no chance. You're, you're not sitting there being evaluated on anything technical or anything tactical. It's all an insider kind of club, and that's for men's and women's. And um, and it's 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 actually something that'd be great if if you know it's boring as hell. But if you could maybe one time maybe focus a little more on that because it's it's very interesting. There's so many great coaches that are just you know never get a chance to kind of grow up in this system. Yeah, I was, I know. I, I have no doubt. And, and as you know, wading into that stuff, Aaron can be a very difficult balancing act around these parts. And you know, as you may take a lot out of it, and there may be a lot of people who who would. But the question is, 
does that is that really where should we should be spending our our time? In no, that's this fair. I mean, I mean, it's totally fair to. to I'm not suggesting you spend two weeks. No, an sure, hour sure, a day. sure. Yeah, You'd yeah. have three people listening, but you know, I, I I guess what I'm saying is once in a while, uh, you know, like that great article, I think was a, was a great example of that, where you know people can start to understand uh, because I fall into that. that you know, it's it's just so easy. Hey, let's just push the reset button fix things, you know, and it's like, it's like if, if it was that simple, then the Department of Transportation in the United States would work too, right? I mean, it isn't fixing things that way. It's the politics of it. And, and I think that's where, you know, we struggle. That's why we love club football so much, you know? So the thing I really want to talk about positive today is PSG Real Madrid. I think that's just an epic matchup today. And anyone who has that couple hours in the afternoon or, or can record it, I think uh, is, is, is in for a treat. I mean, it's a champion's quarterfinal matchup that we're getting for free in uh in in october yeah no absolutely um you know i just it occurred to me just now as you were talking about that game aaron that i have my parent my kids parent teacher conference probably just as the second half begins so that's fun oh that's yeah. brutal yeah that's and, really and, bad and and you, you know Hopefully you can get, uh, you know, in 10, 15 more years, uh, my kids are, you know, my, my youngest is a senior in high school. So, you know, whatever she does at four at, at soccer is not my problem anymore. <laughs> so I get to watch the match. <laughs> there you go. Aaron, I appreciate it. Good chat as always, man. I appreciate the phone Great. calls. Uh, there goes Thank Aaron, you. Great, Aaron. Great job. Aaron in New Jersey. You so um, yeah. Uh, you know, Aaron's identifying a big picture item. Again, he's. He he says go back and make sure Sinigalati doesn't win again. I don't know that I'm pinning everything on Sinigalati in that sense, in the same way that Aaron is, and and uh, for him it's more of an institutional thing. But I I I do think that there are are moments in the way American soccer's story has unfolded that are much more unsexy than Torsten Fring's handball or um or the giveaway against Ghana or any other moment on the field. There are things within our our history, our past, maybe even within our recent past, that have affected the way this program, this country, our culture has developed. And again, you wonder, what if? What if that one moment? I mean, you know, Marty McFly goes back to 1955 to make sure his parents get together. Otherwise, he doesn't exist. What if you were able to go back to 1984, 1983, 1982, find a way to convince those NASL owners that there was a better path, that what they were doing in terms of spending, expansion, wasn't going to sustain, that that league was going to fold, figure out a way to keep them solvent so that they could continue on into a future and continue the growth that NASL has started. I mean, I don't know where we are in 2015 if the NASL hadn't died. Man, isn't that fun to think about? Isn't that fun to think about? Or maybe it's depressing. Either one. 646-832-3909. We've got a couple of things happening down in Miami. Uh, David Beckham's talking up his uh, getting closer and closer to uh, to getting that stadium site solidified. Uh, There may be, I'm not sure where the the money's coming from and, and the, the politics of all of that. I'm not going to get into that. But the other story down in Miami is that he is courting Tim Laiwicki, former, uh, former CEO of, of, um, of AEG, owners of the LA Galaxy, former, uh, former president, uh, the guy in charge at, um, uh, in Toronto 
with that group, which I'm, I'm blanking on the name of the group, MLSE, uh, a, a guy who obviously has a reputation in American soccer of being a major transitional or a major transformative driving force, the guy who essentially made David Beckham to LA Galaxy happen, a guy who uh, started a program in Toronto that has now led to their first playoff berth and getting Sebastian Jovinko and Michael Bradley and Josie Altidore. Um, he would be a massive get for David Beckham in Miami. Massive. Now, Curtis Larson up in Toronto, a uh, writer for the Toronto Sun, says that what he knows is that Lai Wiki is considering his options and that Miami is certainly one of them. Uh, but if this, uh, if this is coming, do not doubt the Miami project anymore. Don't. It, I, I am as skeptical as anybody when it comes to David Beckham and what he's trying to do in Miami. I think that there is a question of uh, a political motivation. There's a question of where that stadium's going to go. There's a question just getting through all that red tape. There is going to be a question of motivating a, a populace to come out and support soccer. But if Tim Lightwicky is involved, most of those questions go out the window. Because that man has never failed in his, in, in his task to make soccer take a next step wherever he's been. And he's had two success. I mean, two, it, it, maybe it's a small sample size for you. But again, this MLS is almost entirely a creation of Tim Lightwicky. Almost completely. The Board of Governors had to approve the plan, but the LA Galaxy had to make it happen. And Tim Lywicki was the guy that did that. Uh, Robert on Twitter, as much as I want to change Zussi's goal versus Panama in order to keep Mexico out of the World Cup in 2014, I pick Fring's handball because the U.S. goes on to beat South Korea, Brazil, and win the World Cup in 2002. I don't know about beating Brazil, but they could have, uh, and South Korea at home. I mean, there's some cooking, right? There's some home cooking happening there. Uh, that's good stuff, though. All right. Phone calls are uh, not happening, and you guys are taking it easy on a Wednesday. That's fine. It's Back to the Future today. I'm sure you're, ce- you're out celebrating right now, right? We will wrap up this edition of Soccer Morning. Thank you very much to Charlie Bone, who joined us on short notice, brought Baby Bone to the table. She added her own contributions, uh, probably more intelligent than a lot of things I say. Go follow us on Twitter, at Soccer Morning. Uh, we've got the Rabble.tv event, Decision Day, 5 o'clock Eastern. Myself and Jared Dubois will be talking through DC United and Columbus Crew in addition to tracking the other Eastern Conference games happening at that time as we look to see what the uh, what the ultimate fallout will be in the East. New England Revolution expected to get in, but it's a, a matter of seeding there as well. So Decision Day coming up will be uh, on Rabble.tv. Uh, look for that. Anything else, Trev? Are we have we gotten our Mosque Unpod T-shirt done? By the way, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you something off off the air. Mosque Unpod, whatever. We'll talk to you guys. Uh, talk to you guys tomorrow, Thursday. Oh, RSL made it into the Champions League uh, quarterfinal, so all four MLS teams or four MLS teams are in. The Vancouver didn't make it. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Bye. Disappear. What I put my heart on every cursive letter. Tell me why the hell no one is here. Tell me what to do to make it all.